ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, friends beyond the binary, and uh, patrons, uh, Saskalula to you. Keeping it, I'm just keeping it Saskalula to you. Uh, thanks so much. Uh, hey, you all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep. Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. And what I'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you can set aside even your F. So, like, that was a safe place, a safe place, safe place where you could set aside whatever's keeping you awake, whether it's thoughts, feelings, emotions, physical sensations, you know, whether you're out of your routine, your changes in routine. Second or third shift, uh, students, uh, upcoming things, whatever's keeping me awake, I'd like to take your mind off that. And the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use these lulling, soothing, creaky dulcet tones, pointless meanders, tangents, superfluous dialogue. Is that a thing? I think I do that. I believe I do. Yeah, I, be- I believe. Uh, there's a lot of songs with I Believe, even secular songs with I Believe. Also, what's the difference with, with secular and non-secular? You think that, like, I like using that word because I think it makes me sound smart <laughs> for seconds, like, until I'm done saying, when I say, er. And then it says, well, Scoots is, uh, I don't know if Scoots knows what he's, uh, what secular means. And I say, yeah, but doesn't it sound sweet when I use this secular in, uh, in relation to song titles, uh, secular song titles for 1,000, Alec. That's what uh, the Jeopardy, Jeopardy. That could be, hey, hey anybody uh, on uh, Jeopardy. And we send our, uh, you know, our hearts out to Alec uh, or Alex. Uh, okay, uh, do, do get it. Mr. Trebek, as I, I've been told to not call him. We're thinking of you, buddy. But I'm also thinking if you're going to do like uh, that, that could be a Jeopardy question or to a thingamajig. Also, how would you feel if I also pitched that to HQ Trivia uh, in addition to Jeopardy? Okay, they hung up on me. Okay, let me get back to the news. So I'm going to send my voice across the deep dark. And I'm using long, soothing, creaky, dulcet tones, pointless meanders, all to help you uh, take your mind off of stuff, uh, keep you company. And ideally make this feel like a safe place to make bedtime feel like a safe place where you can relax, you can unwind, and you can drift off into dreamland. Those are some of my goals. Now, if you're a new listener, here's what to expect. Uh, The show starts off with about four minutes of business, uh, four to six minutes uh, to keep the show free and all our archives free. So that way you have over 630-something episodes to choose from or to line up consecutively if you're, if you really need a, like a lot of sleep content, uh, you know, to, 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 to choose a potpourri of, uh, boring, lulling stuff. So that's a business starts off the show. Then there's an intro, which is kind of like a beginning opening. I don't know if, I guess it is an opening monologue. Uh, that should have you sawn logs. I can't believe I never said that. The only opening monologue that'll have you sawn logs, uh, sleep with me, the intro part, which is about 12 minutes of me rambling and trying to ex- explain the podcast, uh, to weave a metaphor, uh, about something that I was just talking about. I already forgot what I was talking about. So hopefully I come up with a new metaphor. Oh, I was talking about, uh, uh, trivia shows. I don't know if that's really a uh, uh, bedtime material or even. I'll try to figure out a good metaphor for that. But so, if you're a new listener, uh, uh, beginning is business. Uh, first few minutes. Then we have an intro. It's twelve minutes, uh, give or take. Uh, but some listeners fall asleep during the intro. About ten percent of listeners skip the intro. And those of you that skipped the intro, thanks for checking out the sponsors afterwards uh, or being a patron. And so they skip right to the story part. Uh, but the intro is kind of a show within a show. Like I said, uh, what did I say? Monologue about uh, 
Something that rhymes with monologue? Oh, monologue that'll have you sawing logs. Uh, sleep with me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. The, like, this sounds funny, but sure, the, the log is in the, the second log is in the wrong place. Uh, it just has a feeling. Like, look at this. Uh, what did I say? Sleep with me. The monologue that'll have oh, intro. Sleep with me intro. The monologue that'll have you sawing logs. Uh, See how there's like a, there's just, there's syllables in there wrong. But let me get, welcome the new listeners. That could be our, uh, like this is the kind of stuff I have to pay attention to as a sleep podcaster. Yeah, but so here's, uh, so there's the intro. Then tonight it'll be a random kind of story for about 45 minutes, a bedtime story. And after that, there'll be a few minutes of thank yous and good nights. Uh, so that's what to expect uh, structure wise. Yeah. Also, if you're new, the only other things you need to know, this is a podcast you don't need to listen to. You can, or you don't need to hear it. Uh, I don't know. I guess, it, is it hearing or listening? Either one you are optional. Like, and this, it's true. Like, I've heard from a few listeners, they turn the volume way down. I heard from listeners that listen to it at full, full volume and anywhere in between. And there's people that listen to a bunch of episodes in a row. There's people that set their sleep timers for 30 minutes. Uh, uh, but the, the, the one of the requirements is you don't really need to listen or pay attention. Now, you can, because uh, if you're a listener who can't sleep, I'm dedicated. I'll be here to the very end for you uh, to keep you company in the deep, dark night. But the company I keep uh, usually falls asleep, uh, but they don't need to. Like So just like if we we're at a party and I was talking... Like, some people may stay engaged, and some people might fall asleep. That uh, seems to be a common thing uh, for me. Uh, but I just want to let you know, you don't need to listen. And you also shouldn't feel any pressure to fall asleep. Like I said, like, uh, here, I guess here's the thing. Imagine we were playing a board game, a trivia board game, right? And for whatever reason, uh, you, uh, I, I guess it'll take me a while to find a legitimate reason it was like a the boring trivia. I don't know. I don't think anyone would sit down to play a boring game. But imagine, uh, okay, yeah, imagine there was a, okay, so imagine, I guess back uh, at some point when I was, like, uh, there was this game called Trivial Pursuit, uh, and it was very popular, and then it's, it had spawned many uh, sequels and things. And it's a trivia board game. I don't know if it's, like, I'm not talking about real trivia people, like, uh, yeah, but, you know, like f- fun trivia you'd play with friends. And uh, I guess I'm trying to develop a metaphor from here. So usually play in teams. So, so let's say there's uh, in this imaginary situation, there's me and there's you. We're on the same team. Of course, uh, you and I, we're on the same team. And there's also another you that may be more sleepy and then there's a few other uh, people that listen to the podcast, but not you. You know, uh, you're right you're closer to my, you know, I'm closer to your ears. But there's other podcast listeners and teams of two. And we start playing this game and everyone's kind of like playing it uh, and participating to a level of everyone's comfort. But if we get to your turn and you're asleep, we just pass. Uh, and... You know, I'm doing my normal rambling, unrelated to the results of the game. Like, I guess in my turns, like, uh, I don't do this because I don't really have any factual rambles. But I'd say, oh, uh, you know, Teddy Roosevelt's favorite horse. Uh, you know, Teddy, technically, Teddy Roosevelt wasn't a rough rider. He, uh, yeah, that was the name of his group. But he actually had the, uh, he's actually invented the uh, quilted saddle, as a matter of fact. Uh, and he doesn't get credit for that because it's a made-up fact. Uh, but, you know, that's like he didn't actually like to ride rough. Uh, he liked to ride soft. He was actually like he could ride. I guess technically you could say uh, Teddy Roosevelt's rough riders rode on rough terrain because of their uh, soft saddles. And someone that knows anything about horseback riding makes it. So imagine that in between every question. But because the game's going at a pace everybody's comfortable with, uh, some people are falling asleep, some people are still playing the game. And maybe there's a meta game that I don't know about that people say, uh, 
you know, you get 10 points every time Scoots goes on a tangent and starts a word with this letter or uh, quilted. You say, oh, boy, that's 50 points for you, Brad. And so as we play this game, some people are falling asleep. Some people are staying awake. Uh, some people are saying, Scoots, you're, uh, it's not working for me. I'm going to listen to an old episode. And some people are saying, Scoots, I just woke up to go to the bathroom. Glad you're going on a tangent about uh, quilted. Did you say quilted? uh Horse things, and I said, "Yeah, I forgot there were saddles for that one second. Yeah, quilted saddles. Uh, rough riders use them. Oh, it's strange, Scoots, because I'm actually a Teddy Roosevelt historian. Uh, oh, you are. Well, you probably know about the quilted saddles, then. That's why the rough riders could be so ride so rough. Uh, uh, is that an is that irony? I don't know, but uh, yeah, it was a soft saddle they had." And then someone said, well, uh, Scoots, I've been right. I never heard of a soft saddle. I said, are you sure about that? I, I can, I've heard of side saddle. And I said, well, saddle up for this next question because it's worth double points. So that might be the game. And the thing is, even if you're on my team, you could fall asleep whenever you want. And the alternative version of you may already, already be asleep. Uh, and maybe you're getting some ideas of how the other listeners consume the podcast. You say, hey, that person's not even playing the game. They're stuck in traffic listening. And Scoots is kind of chilling them out. And they're also thinking about quilted. They say, to, huh, I wonder if that is true, that uh, you can only ride rough when you ride soft. Uh uh, quilted saddles uh, tonight's sponsor we put we put we put the uh you know we put the uh, cushion on your tushion <laughs> oh boy sometimes i just hit accidentally hit gold uh yeah when i delve into these man you know right you can ride twice as rough now with uh, quilted saddles and also, I try to quilt my lulls uh, to take your mind off of stuff, to keep you company in the deep dark night, to be your boyfriend, your uh, your companion, your boar bay, your boar bud, your boar bro, your boar cuz, your boar sib. I'm here to help because I've been there. Now, this podcast does not work for everybody. I mean, I will posit that uh, you you were probably like you both confused and distracted during that little uh, monologue. Uh, Maybe it has you sawing logs. That's good. Uh, but give it a few tries. There's uh, tons of reviews, and almost every review says, I had to give it a few tries because it was, like, bonkers. And he didn't even get to his other in inventions, like the kerchiefs uh, that the Rough Riders used to wear. Uh, but one day he will. Uh, so all I can say is I'm glad you're here. I work very hard because I want to help you uh, uh, fall asleep. So thanks for coming by. And uh, let's get on with the show. Uh, hey, everybody. It's, uh, tonight's we're going to do a little bit. It's a trending episode, but we're going to do something a little bit different that we've never done before. And this is kind of based on some great feedback I got from a recent intro. So I don't know if this will become a regular thing or just an occasional thing, but uh, I got some intro when I was talking about the states of matter. And uh, I didn't realize that would be a good title. I already have a title for this one, but uh, uh, like, are, are the states of matter united? I guess now I shouldn't be asking these questions because, uh, but I, it was my curiosity and that is oh so cute veil of ignorance I like to wear when I'm roaming around town. And when I say around town, I mean in the thoughts of my brain, uh, where it came up with like uh, wondering about the states of matter. And I heard from three different listeners about this, like, uh, really, in, like, uh, interesting stuff. So I said, huh, this could be a good little episode. And so I said, well, how's this going to, how's this going to work? And I said, well, let, let's do a show called Matter Matters. Uh, and then actually I heard from a host and they said, well, you know, we actually already have a show called Matter Matters. And I said, well, geez, where's the show? Go where, where's your show? I never, I haven't heard. They said, oh, it's in your subconscious. It was, was in your subconscious. Uh, so it's, it's good you're acknowledging us because we're ready to bring it uh, to prime time. And I said, oh boy. Uh, so without further ado, I'd like to introduce the host of Matter Matters. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't catch your name. Well, thanks, Scoots. It's Morty Matters here. And, uh, yeah, thank, thanks, thanks everybody. And welcome back to another episode of Matter Matters. Uh, 
the show where matter matters. And if you've been a fan of Matter Matters for a long time, you know we're not a counterpoint, point-counterpoint show. We're not a show about proving people wrong or proving people right. And we're not a show about uh, changing things. We're a show about changing matter and why the states of matter matter. And that's what we've been dedicated to our show. It's a show about matter, on matter, informed by matter, for lovers of matter. And thing, things interesting to matter matterers. Uh, so welcome to another episode of Matter Matters. This is our first uh, big episode. Uh, we're going to consider it, you know, even though we've been broadcasting Matter Matters, also ever since uh, a certain person was in kindergarten, it turned out that our antenna that we were broadcasting from was uh, disabled and... Uh, it was disabled because someone wasn't listening to our broadcasts. It was the signal was bouncing off of what we believe, uh, or the person believes, is goop, which is not a form of matter, by the way. While we here at uh, Matter Matters uh, do appreciate uh, funny matter jokes, uh, we brought on uh, Drew Ackerman as our guest, and we we said, "Well, if matter matters so much, uh, informing someone about matter matters even more." Because matter matters here at Matter Matters. Uh, excuse me, thanks, thanks for having me on. I know you're in the middle of my intro, but you know I, I'm kind of like a like a, I, mean, I wouldn't say I'm an expert at being repetitive, but I think that may have been uh, one too many. Matter matters. Uh, oh, we didn't realize that it does actually it does matter, uh, but, but maybe because we did it four more times, it it, it brings us back to zero. But thanks so much for having me on. And go ahead and finish out my intro. Or I could, I, I know I didn't fill out my bio, but uh, yeah, I was Brainbot Entertainer of the Year 2017 and maybe 16. And yeah, I write a newsletter, uh, podcast intro news, uh, which is kind of like Matter Matters. It's uh, podcast intros uh, and things kind of like podcast, just podcast intros. And it's a newsletter and it's an uh, it's internal newsletter, though. Well, that's good because this is an internal uh, broadcast of a show. Well, actually, it's not. I, I don't mean to put you on the spot, Morty, Mort- Mortimer, Morty. Uh, but uh, this is going out as a podcast episode. But it doesn't matter. What, what, what does? I didn't even do that one on purpose. I can see you rolling your eyes, Mortimer. But I'm really excited to learn more about matter because I, I do find it fascinating. And I do have a lot of experience with matter, even though my knowledge of matter may be limited. And I think by maybe you interviewing me, I can't remember which kind of learner I am, auditory or, uh, I think they said I'm a manual learner. Like, I think that's what my teachers used to say. They said, well, you're not an auditory or a visual learner. You're manual. It's manual labor with you. So I think I'm a, is, is that a kind of learner, manual learner? Well, we're we're excited to, to, to have you on, Drew, and to really get to know you and so you can get to know Matter Betters. And we reached out to some of your audience, or they reached out to you or to us, uh, depending on, you know, where you want to be in the uh, internal personality spectrum. Uh, so why don't we start there? Why don't we show, we, we get this off. We don't have a theme song, and we, we don't really have anything, but... Uh, you know, let's let's uh, sit down and let's talk matter because it does matter. Andrew, we heard from Amber, who said, uh, "As a trained f- physicist, uh, I may be able to help with the plasma thing." Smiley emoji. Uh, solid is where atoms have low enough energy that they hang out in a rigid rigid lattice where they, if they don't have to move much, uh, if they get warmer, more energy. Uh, the atoms will stay together but move around overall as a liquid. Uh, more energy, uh, hotter, and they will bounce around freely as a gas. Uh, atoms bouncing around. And you could definitely uh, squeeze a fish uh, reference in there, Scoots, if you want. Uh, even more energy in the electrons and the nuclei of the atoms will not even be connected anymore. And will bounce around like a gas, but all separate. And that's why it's the fourth state of matter. 
There's no relation uh, to the fourth state of matter, though, and uh, plasma goop and sci-fi. Uh, so that came in from Amber. So, Scooter, could, could, would you like to figure out if you realize any of that? Like, did that help you at all? Well, thanks, uh, Mortimer. Um, okay, yeah, let's talk about it. Let's talk it out. I like the idea. Uh, so a solid is where, uh, like, atoms have low energy and they hang out, like, almost in a rigid lattice. Is a rigid lattice uh, anything like an Afghan, like, uh, that, like maybe someone created, like my mom? Well, Scooter, I believe uh, if you're, if it was pulled taut, T-A-U-T, I think uh, that would be a rigid lattice. Uh, so I guess if you, like, if you got it, like, here's it, but here's the thing. Is this too much of a stretch? What if we took a, like, what if we went uh, to somewhere where it's winter now and we took an Afghan and we dipped it in water, then we brought it outside at night and laid it out uh, flat? Uh, Overnight, and then in the morning, as you know, if the temperature was freezing, and we went outside and got the Afghan, uh, what would you think about? Would that would that be interesting? Okay, Scooter, what a uh, metaphor are you trying to draw? Well, that would be a rigid rigid lattice, uh, so it'd save us from having to pull it taut, and also, I guess it would be a trick because it would be, it would be solid because uh, of the Afghan. And then it would have the water solidified, so then it would be solid water. And I guess I'm just trying to, I guess I'm reaching a little bit, but, uh, uh so I guess I'm picturing an Afghan, a solid, a frozen Afghan, we wouldn't have to pull taut. So that would be like a rigid lattice, or I guess I could just imagine a lattice work, um, that people put up to hang like uh, vines from. And both those are solid, right, Scooter? Yeah, I guess so. I guess if they were atoms, though, would they have like some sort of, like instead of being interconnected in a lattice, are they, they're just slowly moving so slowly uh, that they would be like a lattice, but there would be like some sort of uh, invisible bonds between them? You know, Scooter, we're just, we're just TV broadcasters that care about matter, so I'm not sure if I could answer that question. Yeah, but that does bring up an interesting question. And I guess one other thing about the image of a lattice, whether it's made of wood or plastic or tin or a frozen afghan, is if if leaves fall on it, they're they're probably not going to go through. Uh, so that would be kind of like a solid, like a uh, Yeah, I'm just trying to figure figure out uh, if I totally understand it. I think you had it there, Scooter. I guess like a bit like, yeah, if you were, uh, let's take, uh, Scooter, I think we, you may be onto something with this frozen Afghan. So the frozen Afghan, let's say it's 7 a.m. now, and you're standing it up, and the atoms are moving so slowly because they're frozen into a solid. And technically, Scooter, you could get into your existential analysis of the Afghan also being a solid. Uh, but let's just use it as a metaphor for now. So the atoms are moving very slowly because there's not a lot of energy there. But if they get warmer uh, and more energy uh, and the atoms start to move around, uh, they will slowly become a, a liquid scooter. So about 10, 11, 11 a.m., uh, slowly that afghan is going to go from rigid to dripping. Yeah, now it's going to be a soppy mess, uh, and the liquid's going to be, uh, we could either squeeze it out or it could drip out, or it could just kind of, we could just leave it in the driveway and forget about it till garbage day. But if it was for my mom, I couldn't do that. Well, here's what you could do, Scooter, because it, it, I just got the, the weather in, uh, from Steve Paulson, and he just said, uh, to hang it up on a laundry line. Because the temperature is going to quickly, quickly change. Oh, I can feel it. Thanks, uh, Mortimer. Uh, thanks, Steve Paulson. Uh, good morning. Uh, tell Sal I saw him the I saw him the other day in a pizza place. I didn't say what's up, but uh, I know a lot of other people did. And also, my my listeners love when Mark Tamayo was talking to those uh, the bird put 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 its head in the uh, in the middle of the weather. People thought that was great. 
Okay, Scooter, by the way, we're do, like, uh, so the a heat wave is coming, Scooter, by noon and 1 p.m., uh, especially over this asphalt that the laundry line is hanging. Uh, things are going to be, so can you hang that Afghan up? Oof, I don't know, though, because it's kind of, um, it's very stoppy and warm now. It kind of, when I touch it, you know what I mean? I know it was just there. It was just frozen. You know, I'm just kidding, Mortimer. I'm hanging it up right now, and I'm noticing something emanating from it. It's no longer dripping. Well, Scooter, that's because of the temperature, which is also energy. The heat is uh, really causing those uh, H2O thing. You just cracked me up, Mortimer. You you really are in my brain, uh, uh, but you've got a tough job. Yes, Scooter. Uh, but the, the the electrons in the nuclei of the atoms uh, are really bouncing around now. Uh, or just the atoms, I think, Scooter. I'm ahead of myself because you were uh, laughing at me and with me. And it's turning into a gas. The water is turning gaseous, Scooter. You know it is. And it's interesting. And, and I guess it's returning. Like, how long will it take till this water rains down on somebody? Here's a here's a question, real quick question, Mortimer. Just a uh, back of the pencil math or back of the envelope math. Uh, I was like thinking of this for another story, and I was thinking about it from all the cartoons I watched and even some video games I played. And there's a whole idea of weather machines and rain machines and seeding clouds. What if uh, what if we like got a ton of Afghans wet? Like a whole city wet, it got wet Afghans and one per person or more and hung them up in the backyard at the same time on a warm day. Would, 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 would that cause it to rain? Okay. Okay. Scooter, I'm consulting my, uh, and they said on a cartoon, it would actually, if it was a cartoon plot, uh, that would be a solution or to a story you're writing, uh, that would be in character. Yeah, scientifically, though, Scooter, you'd have to ask uh, Hank Green or somebody else that knows uh, uh, something about facts. Okay, well, it's an interesting question to ask. I mean, I don't know if the world has that many Afghans. Is it also, is that what they're called? That's what my mom called it. Uh, uh, but there, I think it's kind of like it's a lattice blanket. Uh, I don't think that's a good name for it because you say, ooh, I can't wait to get wrapped up in that lattice blanket. Um, but yeah, so, okay, so, okay, so it's a drying off, or technically it's becoming a, a different solid, but wait a second, something strange is happening with this Afghan, uh, Mortimer, can you tell me, can you explain to me what is happening? Well, Scooter, you're in for a rare thing because there just happens to be some sort of, uh, something concentrating the energy of the sun in a strange, unexplainable way. That is causing even more energy to land on that Afghan. And the electrons in the nuclei of the atoms have not, none of them are connected anymore. And right before your eyes, that Afghan is becoming a plasma, 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 plasma Afghan. Because all the electrons in the nuclei of the atoms are separating. Okay, um, that's interesting. Uh, who Who's going to tell mom about that one? Uh, because uh, I think she's going to she's going to wonder if she comes to visit. Like, uh, where's that red, white, and blue Afghan uh, that I gave you? And should I just tell her it became a plasma because of some strange experiment we were doing within? How's it? How about this one, uh, Mortimer? I mean, since you may be one of those silent observers until we came up with this TV show or radio program, whatever you want to call it. I, I saw your facial expression there. How come with me, like you'd say with most people, really can't have a thought experiment go terribly wrong. But with me, like uh, you say, sorry, mom, your Afghan was lost in a thought experiment and it uh, it became a plasma. And I don't know what happened after that, but... uh I may have in what would happen if I inhaled a plasma to, uh, Afghan? And what if I sneezed it out when my mom was visiting? Okay, Mortimer, why don't we go on to the next segment? Because I can see I have you stumped.
Thanks, Scooter. This one's a little bit of a transition segment. It comes in from Jeannie, who said, uh, I just nodded off when you said the word sublimation. And Jeannie said they put uh, photos on uh, items that have a polymer coating. And that that process is called sublimation. And uh, that it's a very cool process. Uh, that is cool. And... um so that's taking a solid and turning it into a gas with a photo. Uh, like I, I, I guess uh, that's interesting. We're going to have to learn more about that because it doesn't seem like you know any more about it, Mortimer. No, Scooter, that was just a little transitory fact uh, that you weren't supposed to ask too many questions about and just appreciate. Yeah, I don't know. Like I just, I just always find myself curious. But oh boy, do we have a lot to be fun stuff to be curious about next, right, uh, Mortimer? Scooter, let me try one thing. What, Scooter, let's pretend we're uh, we, that was a commercial, and we're coming. Yeah, welcome back uh, to our last segment of Matter Matters, hosted, by the way, by Mortimer, with our guest, uh, dearest Scooter or Drew. Oh, thanks, Mortimer. Yeah, I, I did notice. I didn't point it out because I didn't want to interrupt you. But yeah, you can call me Drew or dearest Scooter. It's fine, or Scooter, or Drew. Uh, just, just don't call me plasma brain. Okay. That, okay, Drew. Thank you uh, for that. And, uh, we, our next message came in from Steven. Ian, you're right, Scooter. This is really, we're going to get into the, into the deep stuff. And it really seems exciting and a real learning opportunity for you. Steven is a chemistry teacher at a local community college. And, of course, your misuse of states of matters, Scooter, like, uh, you really do poor Stephen a disservice. Yeah, I mean, that's what happens when you have a gibbledygook on the brain. But, uh, yeah, I apologize to Stephen, but now is my chance to make it up to him by learning. So, like uh, G.I. Joe said, knowing is half the battle. And, Scooter, yes, NBC tells you uh, the more you know. So, yeah, let's do some learning. Okay, so Stephen wanted to point out, first of all, that a sublime is to turn a solid uh, into a gas, uh, directly into a, a gas. Uh, and deposition is the term for turning a gas uh, directly into a solid. Scooter, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, you know, thanks, Mortimer. Um you know, I really, like, I hear some people say, like, I, I don't think I learned what sublime was. Uh, like, for some reason, you know, I, I, I consider myself having a reasonable vocabulary as a, ch a child and a high school student. And I think I always assumed what sublime meant. Uh, but then when I, like, and I never connected the, the word sublime and its usage uh, to states of matter until someone was talking about someone else's thoughts, uh, a third party's thoughts, uh, and they were saying how sublime uh, their discussions were with this person. And I was finding myself very jealous uh, that they weren't describing my thought process as sublime. Okay, Scooter, this sounds very in character. Okay, yeah. But so, uh, like I said, when they were saying it, uh, you know, I think they were talking about like a philosophical discussion. Wouldn't it seem you're doing, if you're sublime, are you, I guess I get confused. And this might just be because of the way my brain works in all honesty and not trying to be funny or argumentative. But uh, if you're having a discussion with someone and they're transmitting thoughts to you about philosophy or theology and they make a, a point that seems sublime, is it ethereal? Like, so is, are they taking something like, uh, ethereal and making it into something, uh, solid and understandable? Or are they pointing out things that should be solid and understandable in the everyday world and, uh, making them ethereal, like gas like? Is this, I don't know if ethereal is the right word. And since you're in my brain, you're probably, Scooter, you're right. I, uh, I believe you may be using that word correctly. So that's where I get mixed up with sublime. So, but going with Stephen's definition, uh, it would be uh, taking something solid and making it. So I guess it would be like, man, when I have a, a regular everyday conversation with this person, it turns into something deep and magical or beyond uh, explanation. 
Scooter, I think you're on to something, uh, but I, 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 can't, uh, I can't get any deeper than that. And the deposition is interesting because I don't know if that was the original usage of that word since it's a, also a legal term. Uh, in my case, it's like turning the hot air from my mouth into solid problems, uh, turning a gas directly into a solid uh, a deposition. Yeah, Scooter, it, uh, it, it, that's a nice word, and uh, it, you learn something new every day. Well, now it's time to really go deep, because the next thing Stephen talks about is non-Newtonian fluid, a subtype of liquids. A scooter incorrectly attributed its properties to plasma. This is a catch-all for all oddly behaving fluids, uh, such as go-yuck or your elephant glue, but they are still technically liquids. Well, I'd like to learn more about that. Well, let's head over to Wikipedia and let's uh, find out more then. And Scooter, I think this is probably going to be, this may be your favorite moment of the podcast of all time, is going through this Wikipedia article. Well, I can't wait to try to paraphrase it uh, and quote it directly, straight from wikipedia.org. Who I support, uh... A uh, non-Newtonian fluid is a fluid that does not follow Newton's laws of viscosity. Most commonly, the viscosity, the measure of a fluid's ability to resist a gradual deformation by shear or tensile stresses of non-Newtonian fluids, is dependent on the shear rate or shear rate history. Some non-Newtonian fluids with shear-independent viscosity, however, still exhibit normal stress differences or other non-Newtonian behavior. Uh, Here's where it gets even better for you, Scooter. Uh, Many salt solutions and molten polymers are non-Newtonian fluids. Uh, And there's many... uh, These are a lot of things you've put in your mouth before, Scooter, even uh, ones that you should. Uh, Commonly found substances such as ketchup, custard, toothpaste, starch suspensions, honey, uh, paint, frog saliva, and shampoo. Okay, tell me more. Uh, in a Newtonian fluid, the relation between shear stress and shear rate is linear. Passing through the origin, the constant of proportionality being the coefficient of viscosity. In a non-Newtonian fluid, the ex- relation between shear stress and shear rate is different. Uh, the fluid can even exhibit time-dependent viscosity. Therefore, a constant coefficient of viscosity cannot be defined. Okay, I'll be honest, I'm not sure I totally understand. Can we uh, d- dig deeper? Uh, sure we can, Scooter. Uh, some comparisons here on Wikipedia. Uh, comparisons of non-Newtonian, Newtonian, and viscoelastic properties. Uh, so viscoelastic... Uh, uh, it would be Kelvin material, Maxwell material. There's a parallel linear combination of elastic and viscous effects, uh, which would be some lubricants, uh, whipped cream, and silly putty. Okay, so there's viscoelastic. viscoelastic. Uh, what about uh, time-dependent viscosity? Well, Scooter, there's rayopecti which is apparent viscosity, which increases with the duration of stress, uh, uh, which could be printer ink or gypsum paste. And then there's a thixotropic. Uh, thixotropic. Can you spell that for anybody who plays, uh, uh, um, what's that game, Words with Friends or uh, Scrabble? Because that seems like a great word. Uh, sure, Scooter. Uh, thixotropic, uh, T-H-I-X-O-T-R-O-P-I-C, thixotropic. Uh, can you use it in a sentence? I may be able to in a second, Scooter. Apparent viscosity of thixotropic material decreases with the duration of stress, thixotropic. And do you have any examples of thixotropic, thixotropic materials that I've had? Yogurt, uh, peanut butter, xanthan gum solutions, uh, aqueous uh, iron oxide gels, gelatin gels, pectin gels, uh, hydrogenate, hydrogenated, hydrogenated castor oil, some clays, uh, molten tire rubber, 
many paints, uh, flock suspensions, and colloidal suspensions. You love the when it says colloidal on trucks, Scooter. I do, especially when it has molten on there, too. Okay, Scooter, let's move on to non-Newtonian viscosity. Uh, there's shear thinning or pseudoplastic, uh, which apparent viscosity decreases with increased stress. Oh, that's interesting. So that's different than uh, the time-dependent ones uh, uh, that have to do with the duration of stress. This has to do with the uh, incre- the level of stress. Uh, what's one of those? Uh, suspension of cornstarch and water would be one scooter. Oh, yeah, we use that all the time. Uh, but that was uh, sheer thickening, not pseudoplastic. That was a dilettante, dil- 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 something. Oh, you're right, Scooter. Uh, that the sheer thinning also viscosity decreases with increased stress. Uh, but that would be things like nail polish, whipped cream, ketchup, molasses, syrups, paper pulp, and water, lex, latex paint, uh, ice, uh, some silicone, silicone oils, uh, some silicone coatings, and sand and water. Oh yeah, sheer sheer thinning. That's a big deal. And uh, yeah, okay. Uh, generalized Newtonian fluids. Uh, viscosity is constant, Scooter. Stress depends on normal shear strain rates and the pressure applied on it. Uh, and that would be custard and water. Okay, can we talk a little bit more about some of these? Sure, Scooter. Let's talk about shear thickening fluid or a dilantate, a dilatant, dilatant fluid, Scooter. Appears to increase when the shear rate increases. Cornstarch dissolved in water is a common example. Uh, when stirred slowly, it looks milky. When stirred vigorously, it looks like a viscous liquid. Oh, yeah, and you always want to stir it before. That makes sense because you want to stir it before you add it to the sauce. Uh, I would have never known that. That's very interesting. Thanks, Newton. And then there's shear thinning fluid, which is the opposite. Uh, a pseudoplastic fluid is like a wall paint. Uh, it should flow readily off the brush when it's being applied to a surface, but not drip excessively. Okay, I don't know if I quite understand that. Uh, uh, so it should flow like a th- fluid, but not a drip. Uh, okay, so it should be thin, but not watery. I, okay, I think I almost get that one. What about Bingham plastic? Uh, well, those are fluids that have a linear shear stress, shear strain relationship uh, and require a finite yield stress before they begin to flow. And those examples would be clay suspensions, uh, toothpaste, mayonnaise. Uh, like toothpaste, I guess you have to squeeze. Mayonnaise, you could squeeze or scoop. Uh, chocolate and mustard. Uh, that makes sense, uh, kind of, I guess. Uh, what about uh, Rayo? Rheopectic or anti-thixotropic, T-H-I-X-O-T-R-O-P-I-C. And you can also use anti-dash. Uh, I don't know if you can use dashes in, because I, I have dyslexia, so I can't play words with friends or scrabble. But I can help you score more points. Uh, anti-thixotropic. Uh, uh, these are also fluids whose strain rate is a function of time. Fluids require a gradually increasing shear stress to maintain a constant strain rate, uh, and that's rheopectic. Uh, an opposite case of this fluid is one that thins out with time and requires a decreasing stress uh, to maintain a constant rate. And uh, here's some examples. Uh, I don't know from what. Uh, soap solutions, cosmetic toothpaste, uh, Oh, what about taffy? What about oblek, uh, oblek, oblek d, oblek da is a example of a non-Newtonian fluid, a suspension of starch and water, or magic mud, which is uh, one part water to 1.5 to two parts cornstarch. Uh, the name oblek is actually from the Dr. Zeus book, uh, Bartholomew and the Oblek. And I think people do it, uh, there's a picture of it on the speaker. So it's also used in demonstrations that exhibit its unusual behavior. A person may walk in a large tub of oobleck without sinking or oblek, 
Yeah, I have an oblong brain, so maybe that's messing us up. Uh, without sinking, due to sheer thickening properties, as long as a person moves quickly enough to provide enough force with each step to cause the thickening. Also, if it's placed in a large subwoofer driven at a sufficiently high volume, it will think and form standing waves in response to low-frequently sound waves from the speaker. If a person were to push on a heart on a oobleck, it would thicken and act as a solid. After the push, though, it would go back to its thin, liquid-like state. Cool, I've encountered mud like that before. Scooter, what about flubber? Well, that, that's imaginary, uh, uh, Mortimer. Well, flubber is also a non-Newtonian fluid made from uh, uh, different glues and borax. Wait, you can make uh, flubber from borax and glue? You got to get some more borax. I was just at the uh, Paramount, uh, and they had borax in the bathrooms there. Well, that's a great scooter, and the combination of the fluid-like and solid-like power, power properties make it a Maxwell fluid, and it's, it can be called viscoplastic or gelatinous. You know what's another one, scooter, is uh, chilled caramel topping, uh, so long as it uh, incorporates uh, hydrocolloids like uh, carrageenan, carrageenan, and gallon gum. Uh, the sudden application of force uh, or the rapidly inverting of the container causes it to behave like a solid. That is the sheer thickening property of this non-Newtonian fluid. More gentle treatment, such as slowly inserting a spoon, will leave it in its liquid state. Uh, silly putty is a silicone polymer-based suspension which will flow, bounce, or break depending on the strain rate. And there's other ones, Scooter, but we should probably move on. You're right, we should move on because there's more learning yet to do. But I thought I was the one learning. Well, yeah, but we're working as a team. Yeah, we're working as a team because I've learned already that matter really does matter. And, yeah, you encounter it in tons of places in your uh, life. Uh, so uh, let's see. Where are we going? Steven says, uh, you know, states of matter, solid, liquid, and gas, and plasma. Uh, matter heated to the point that not even atoms can hold themselves together, just like uh, we had talked about previously. All molecular bonds break, and the atoms begin shedding charged particles. Uh, this gives plasma an electrical field, which uh, uh, causes it d drastically different properties to normal gases. So, Scooter, you might have almost been right when you were talking about that uh, circular uh, uh, Tesla globe. Yeah, what, is, uh, what does Wikipedia have to say? Like, for examples, uh, well, Scooter, let's talk about the history first, because it comes from the ancient Greek, meaning moldable substance or jelly. And uh, very simply, the nuclei are suspended in movable sea of electrons. And it was first identified in a Crookes tube, as described by Sir William Crookes in 1879. He called it radiant matter. Uh, the nature of this cathode ray matter was subsequently identified by British physicist, physicist, physicist uh, Sir J.J. Thompson in 1897. Uh, the term plasma was coined by Irving Langmuir in uh, 1928. And as we said, and as has been said, uh, like uh, plasma is a state of matter in which ionized gaseous substance becomes highly electrical electrically conductive to the point that long-range electrical and magnetic fields dominate the behavior of the matter. Uh, plasma does not naturally, Scooter, this is important, it doesn't naturally exist on the Earth's surface under normal conditions uh, and must be artificially gener generated from neutral gases. Uh, cool. Uh, what other, do we have any other examples? Uh Scooter, this is pretty uh, dense, uh, uh, but we do have a couple lists here that you might be able to use here. Uh, common plasmas include uh, artificially ones, terrestrial ones, and space and astrophysical plasmas. Okay, can we start with space then? Sure, Scooter. Stars are plasmas heated by nuclear fusion, uh, the solar wind, 
the interplanetary medium, the space between planets, the interstellar medium, the space between star systems, uh, the intergalactic medium, space between galaxies, uh, the Io Jupiter flux tube, accretion disks, and uh, interstellar, interstellar nebula. I'd like to do, do, do Mortimer. What do you think about calling me the uh, intergalactic medium, Scooter? I would rate you as a medium in, in a lot of things, but uh, intergalactic, you're intergalactically medium. Okay, I wasn't talking about a rating. I was talking more about a, a, like a nickname, or like a, a matter matters uh, where. Nothing is intergalactically medium. Scooter, why don't you think about that? But uh, I, I'm not sure what would an intergalactic medium do. I guess like I'd share uh, like traits, like I have a plasma brain. So does the intergalactic uh, medium. Why don't we move on to terrestrial plasmas? Uh, lightning, uh, the magnetosphere uh, contains the plasma surrounding Earth's space environment, the ionosphere. The plasmosphere, uh, the polar aurora, the polar wind, upper, upper atmospheric lightning, uh, sprites, and St. Elmo's fire scooter. Yeah, and I won't make any jokes about that movie uh, or comments on it, but I did. It was on TV, like, I think not over the holidays. When I was in a hotel, Maybe for like uh, the day before I went to PodCon, I was watching it on a hotel TV. Well, it, that's a movie, but there's the, uh, the terrestrial plasma sand almost fires something different. Uh, but artificially produced plasma scooter, uh, they inv- involve those in plasma display TVs, uh, fluorescent lamps and neon signs, rocket exhaust and ion thrusters. If I was an intergalactic medium, ion thruster could be my, my like, sidekick. Mortimer, what do you think about changing your name to ion thruster? Uh, some other examples, Scooter, are the area in front of a spacecraft's heat shield during reentry, uh, inside the corona discharge of an ozone generator, uh, fusion, fusion energy research, the electrical arc and arc lamp, uh, an arc welder or plasma torch, a plasma ball, which uh, is also called a plasma globe, or in Scooter's case, a Tesla ball. Uh, also, the arcs produced by Tesla coils. Uh, uh, plasma is used in uh, semiconductor device, device, device uh, fabrication. Uh, laser-produced plasma is also known as LPP. Are you down with LPP, Mortimer? Uh, or uh, what was I going to call you? My ionosphere? If we, if we, I know you're in my brain, so we couldn't, uh, my, you're my ion thruster. You could say they could be also your thing, ion thrust. Uh, like, so it could be your also in, like, uh, you could expand the galaxies, uh, talking about matter. Uh, Scooter's a couple more on the list. Uh, there's inductively coupled plasmas. And magnetically induced plasmas and static electric sparks. Okay, so you don't want to be ion thruster. But don't, isn't there one more, one or two more cool things we learned from Stephen? Yes, Stephen also talked about supercritical fluid scooter, uh, which is certain temperatures and pressures uh, given compounds at equilibrium between gas and liquid will find that the density of the gas state and liquid state become equal to each other. Uh, the liquid and the gas uh, then stop being separate things and mixed together, creating a new substance with interesting new properties. Some are very useful. Supercritical CO2 will pass right through coffee beans and dissolve caffeine, creating decaf coffee and isolating caffeine crystals for soda. Oh, so that's probably how they take uh, make a cola. Um... Yeah, any other examples on Wikipedia? Uh, that's pretty good. That's a lot of, like pretty good uh, information. Okay, Scooter, we're looking here. Uh, hydrothermal circulation, uh, which occurs in the Earth's crust, uh, wherever fluid becomes heated and begins to convect, uh, 
These fluids are thought to reach supercritical conditions under a number of different settings. At mid-ocean ridges, uh, circulation is the most evidence uh, by the appearance of hydrothermal vents known as black smokers, uh, which event fluids up to 400 degrees Celsius. There's planetary atmospheres. The atmosphere of Venus is 96.5% carbon dioxide and 3.5% nitrogen. I knew that because I'm a galaxy, the galactic medium. Uh, the surface uh, pressure is a 9.3 MPAs, 93 bar. And uh, the surface temperature is 735 degrees Kelvin, above the critical points of both major constituents, making the surface atmosphere a supercritical fluid. Uh, Scooter, did you know that uh, some dry cleaning uses supercritical carbon dioxide? Uh, which uh, intercalates into buttons and uh, uh, can uh, help uh, improve, uh, help clean. Oh, is that like OxyClean? Or is that, oh, I guess we probably shouldn't, but I already said it. Uh, I like that in my um, dish soap. Uh, okay, Scooter. And it looks like uh, we have one more thing we needed to cover. But there's a lot more about these... Uh, supercritical fluids that maybe your brain could absorb over the next 20 or 30 years. Yeah, I like this one, the Boyes-Einstein condensate. Uh, It was a new state of matter uh, discovered by quantum physicists. It has freaky properties that defy common sense. Uh, uh, For a long time, we didn't know any more than the first three, so what is taught at major... Elementary schools. Oh, this is uh, kind of like why we, they only taught you about the first thing. Let's like learn a little bit more about Boyes-Einstein condensates. It's a state of matter of a dilute gas in bosons, B-O-S-O-N-S, uh, cooled to temperatures very close to absolute zero. Under uh, such conditions, a large fraction of the bosons occupy the lowest quantum state at which point microscopic quantum phenomena, particularly wave function interference, become apparent. Uh, BEC is uh, formed by cooling gas of extremely low density. The scooter, they may, they may, this may be another experiment they could do on your brain. Uh, thanks, Mortimer. That, that sounds great. Does it involve me sticking my head into a matter uh, accelerator? Because that sounds a little cold. I don't, I'm not sure I'd be interested. Okay, Scooter, uh, if you want to hold science back, that's fine. Uh, but uh, it was first predicted generally in 1924-25 by Satendra Nath Boys and Albert Einstein. Uh, so it is only a theoretical state of matter. Uh, Satendra Nath Boys sent a paper to Einstein on the quantum physics of light uh, quanta, now called photons in which he derived uh, Planck's quantum radiational radiation law without any reference to classical physics, and Einstein was impressed. And they went from there, and a lot of this uh, article talks about the critical temperature, uh, different models, and it has a lot of, uh, you see a lot of formulas in there. So, and I guess if it's theoretical, then we wouldn't have any... Uh, well, there's been some uh, experimental observations in the 1930s and uh, from onward, even uh, more recently in 1995. Uh, people are really looking hard and working hard into it. And if vortices can exist in BECs, uh, and they can be created by stirring the condensate with lasers or rotating the confining trap, uh, and the vortices created will be a quantum vortex scooter. Is that what we could use in time travel, or uh, uh, is that just uh scooter? I think you better just stick to, maybe you should stick to three, three states of matter, and then just know that plasma is, uh, is um, maybe, maybe plasma's uh, the limits of your, well, it's good to know these other things. It is interesting. 
And it reminds me that what made this podcast is being curious. And I was curious to talk to you to find out more of why matter matters. And I'm glad the listeners' curiosity drove them to reach out to me. Uh, but really learning um, the non-Newtonian fluids, really interesting, because that's actually what I assumed was a plasma, was goop. Uh, and so I knew I now kind of know that. And uh, I do know, and I'll never forget, the matter matters. It does, Scooter. And I want to make sure we thank, uh, once again, Amber, Jeannie, and Stephen for reaching out uh, to support the show uh, and to help fill you in. And we'll always remember here, uh, that matter matters. Uh, thanks and good night.